you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the vast annals of World War II, amidst the tales of massive land battles and great aerial dogfights, there lies a remarkable naval story that unfolded in the choppy waters of the Mediterranean. It was the spring of 1941, and the world was consumed by the Second Great War of the Century. To the south of Greece, off the rugged cape known as Matapan, two mighty naval fleets engaged in a battle of titans. This was the Battle of Cape Matapan, an epic confrontation that played a critical role in the wider scope of the Mediterranean theater. It was a clash that involved brilliant strategists, cunning maneuvers, innovative technology, and brave men who fought valiantly on the high seas. At stake was not just naval supremacy in the Mediterranean, but the security of critical supply lines and the momentum of the entire war. This riveting tale moves from the imposing naval yards of Taranto and Alexandria, through the nerve centers of British intelligence, onto the decks of the battleships, and down to the depths of the sea where the aftermath of the battle rests. It features grand ships like the Vittorio Veneto and the War Spite, led by two exceptional admirals, Italy's Angelo Iacchino and Britain's Andrew Cunningham. The Battle of Cape Matapan was more than just an exchange of artillery fire, it was a chess match on the open seas, a test of nerves and wits where the outcome was uncertain until the final act. With each move and countermove, the balance teetered until a pivotal moment in the darkness tipped the scales. In this story, we will navigate the events that led up to the battle, examine the high-stakes confrontations that define the encounter, delve into the reasons why one side triumphed, explore the impact on the broader events of World War II, and reflect on the enduring legacy of Cape Matapan. Let us embark on this voyage into the past and immerse ourselves in one of the most dramatic naval episodes of the Second World War. Chapter 1. The Opening Gambit In the early years of World War II, the Mediterranean Sea held the interest of every major power on the globe. Its waters were a chessboard of grand proportions with each square bearing the weight of an empire's ambition. Its waves washed the shores of many a nation, each with its eyes fixed on the other, aware of the strategic prize the Mare Nostrum represented. As the sun set on the Age of Peace, Italy joined the conflict, aligning itself with Germany, its Axis partner. Mussolini, the Italian dictator, had imperial ambitions of his own. He sought to recreate the Roman Empire's grandeur and viewed the Mediterranean as Italy's natural dominion. In this regard, Britain, with its naval supremacy and control over key regions such as Gibraltar, Malta, and Egypt, stood as Italy's greatest obstacle. Meanwhile, the British Admiralty viewed the Mediterranean as the lifeline to its territories in the east. 
it was a crucial supply route and held immense strategic importance. Losing control of these waters could effectively strangle Britain, cutting off vital resources, especially from India and the Middle East. At the helm of the Royal Navy's Mediterranean fleet was Admiral Andrew Cunningham, a man with the sea in his veins. Cunning and steadfast, Cunningham was a strategist of the First Order and a leader who inspired the loyalty of his men. His counterpart, leading the Italian Regia Marina, was Admiral Angelo Iacchino, a seasoned officer who carried an aura of quiet confidence. Though Iacchino was often constrained by the Italian High Command's indecisiveness, he was no less devoted to his duty and desired to bring glory to Italy. It was this stage, then, a swirling cauldron of maritime strategy, where the Battle of Cape Matapan was destined to unfold. Two naval behemoths, with the pride and survival of their nations at stake, each led by charismatic and seasoned commanders, poised for a collision course off the jagged cliffs of the Grecian Cape. The tension in the air was almost palpable, a storm was coming, and its epicenter would be the sea around Cape Matapan. As we dive deeper into this historical saga, prepare to witness the clash of titans, the thrilling gambits, and the dramatic twists that make the Battle of Cape Matapan a gripping chapter in World War II. Italy's decision to join the war did more than just escalate tensions, it sent shockwaves through the political and military world, tipping the balance of power in the Mediterranean. Mussolini had a grand vision, one that saw the Mediterranean under Italian control. But before that vision could be realized, the British Royal Navy, the reigning power on the Mediterranean Sea, needed to be neutralized. A chess match of massive proportions began, with both sides maneuvering their pieces across the maritime board. The Italian Navy sought to draw the British into an unfavorable engagement, intending to deliver a blow that would cripple their naval might. This strategy was a dangerous game, one that would test the resolve and strategic brilliance of two veteran admirals, Iacchino and Cunningham. As tension mounted, Admiral Iacchino, a man deeply respected within the ranks of the Italian Navy, worked tirelessly to formulate a plan. With a thoughtful gaze, he surveyed the strategic map, understanding that every decision he made could alter the course of the war. The weight of responsibility rested heavily on his shoulders. Across the sea, Admiral Cunningham of the Royal Navy found himself in a similar position. He was all too aware of the significant risk Italy's entry into the war presented. His experience and cunning, honed by decades of service, were tested like never before. He realized the Italians aimed to disrupt Britain's vital supply lines across the Mediterranean, an action that could severely hinder the war effort. The British Admiralty in London echoed Cunningham's concerns. From the bustling command centers to the quiet halls of intelligence offices, there was a growing sense of urgency. Britain could ill afford a setback in the Mediterranean. The stakes were high, the tension palpable. In the weeks leading up to the Battle of Cape Matapan, the Mediterranean became a simmering cauldron of strategic plays and counterplays. The tension wasn't just a precursor to the looming battle, it was a catalyst, turning the already volatile situation into a powder keg ready to explode. The wily Cunningham and the steadfast Iacchino, both acutely aware of the escalating pressure, steeled themselves for the imminent confrontation.
The storm was indeed brewing, and its epicenter was drawing closer to Cape Matapan. At the heart of this epic story were two extraordinary men, Admiral Andrew Cunningham of the Royal Navy and Admiral Angelo Iacchino of the Italian Navy. Both men were seasoned veterans, deeply respected by their crews, and tasked with safeguarding the interests of their nations in the tumultuous Mediterranean theater. Admiral Andrew Cunningham, a Scottish-born sailor, was a man of action and wit. His eyes, as sharp as an eagle's, missed nothing on the horizon, and his leadership had a quiet, determined quality that commanded respect from every quarter. He was a product of the Edwardian Royal Navy, where he cultivated a belief in decisive action. As the Admiral of the Mediterranean Fleet, Cunningham was seen as Britain's shield, protecting crucial maritime supply lines against potential threats. He was not just a commander but a symbol of British resolve and resilience. Admiral Angelo Iacchino, on the other hand, was a reflective, calculated leader. His deep-set eyes spoke volumes of his dedication and quiet strength. He had spent most of his life serving the Italian Navy, and his men regarded him as a leader who was resolute in the face of adversity. Despite the shackles of a hesitant high command, Iacchino remained committed to bringing glory to Italy. He understood the enormity of the task ahead, and his strategic brilliance would be tested in the looming battle. Both leaders shared a common trait, an unyielding dedication to their duty. They understood that their decisions would not only decide the fate of their men but also potentially influence the course of the war. As tension continued to mount, both admirals readied their fleets and their strategies, each preparing to face the other in what was destined to be an unforgettable battle. The curtain was about to rise on one of World War II's most significant naval engagements. With Cunningham and Iacchino steering the course, a story of valor, tactical brilliance, and sheer determination was about to unfold. And at the center of this drama was the rugged, desolate cape known to the world as Matapan. Chapter 2 The Move to Battle The Italian strategy, shaped by the silent determination of Admiral Angelo Iacchino, was not merely about engaging the British fleet. It was a carefully calculated plan aimed at delivering a crushing blow that would tilt the balance of power in the Mediterranean towards Italy. Iacchino, like a seasoned chess player, surveyed his pieces, understanding the strengths and potential weaknesses of his fleet. His most formidable pieces were the battleships the Vittorio Veneto and the Littorio, boasting massive artillery and capable of withstanding substantial punishment. He intended to use these mighty battleships as the linchpin of his strategy. His plan revolved around a tantalizing bait-and-switch tactic. He aimed to draw out the British fleet by threatening their sea lines of communication, a lifeline they would no doubt move to protect. Once the British fleet was engaged, Iacchino planned to unleash the full might of his battleships, hoping to deal a crippling blow to his adversary. Yet, as cunning as his plan was, Iacchino knew that the key to its success would lie in execution. Each ship in his fleet, from the fastest destroyer to the most massive battleship, had a role to play. Timing, coordination, and the resolve of his men were all critical elements. In the heart of his flagship, Vittorio Veneto, surrounded by maps and communication equipment, Iacchino worked tirelessly. 
he relayed his plan to his officers, making sure every detail was understood. Every now and then, his eyes would drift towards the sea, aware that the water's calmness hid the storm that was about to come. The plan was set, the pieces were moving, and all eyes were on the Royal Navy's response. It was a high-stakes gamble that carried the fate of the Italian Navy and, with it, Mussolini's grand vision for the Mediterranean. With his strategy in motion, Iacchino braced himself for what was to come. Cape Matapan and the ensuing clash awaited, ready to write a new chapter in the annals of naval warfare. As Iacchino put his plan into motion, his British counterpart, Admiral Andrew Cunningham, was not to be outwitted. Known for his shrewd tactical acumen, Cunningham was ever alert to the Italian maneuvers. He understood that the Italian fleet's movement was not a random show of force but a ploy designed to lure the British fleet into a deadly trap. From his flagship, the HMS Warspite, Cunningham observed the unfolding situation. Reports from his intelligence officers painted a clear picture, the Italians were on the move. A calm, thoughtful expression settled on his face, masking the storm of tactical considerations brewing in his mind. Cunningham's strategy was rooted in a deep understanding of his fleet's strengths. He knew he could not match the Italian fleet's firepower ship for ship. Yet, what the Royal Navy lacked in firepower, it more than made up for in agility, experience, and cunning. His fleet of cruisers and destroyers were fast, able to strike quickly and retreat, harassing the enemy. Moreover, Cunningham held a secret weapon, a game-changer in naval warfare, the aircraft carrier. The HMS Formidable, the pride of his fleet, carried a formidable air wing that could strike at the heart of the Italian fleet from a distance. Working with his officers, Cunningham crafted a plan of his own, one that would turn the Italian strategy on its head. He would use the agility of his ships and the power of his air wing to neutralize the threat of the Italian battleships, sowing confusion in their ranks. By doing so, he intended to disrupt Iacchino's carefully crafted plan. In the dim light of his strategy room aboard the Warspite, Cunningham finalized his tactics. He had always believed in the Royal Navy's ability to face any challenge, and now, it was time to put that belief to the test. As the sun dipped beneath the Mediterranean, Cunningham, fully aware of the odds, steeled himself for the engagement that was quickly approaching. The game of maritime chess was in full swing, and his next move could change the course of the entire war. The culmination of the meticulous strategies put into motion by both Cunningham and Iacchino came to a head in the waters surrounding Cape Matapan. The stage was set for a confrontation that would test the mettle of both admirals and their respective fleets. As Iacchino's fleet neared the British sea lines, they braced for the imminent clash. The Italian sailors, under the guidance of their steadfast admiral, were prepared to enact the bold plan that had been so carefully laid out. They aimed to strike a decisive blow, a trap from which the British could not escape. Iacchino's bait had been cast, and the trap was ready to be sprung. The Italian admiral, from the bridge of the Vittorio Veneto, looked on as the first moves of his tactical dance played out. His men, filled with a mix of tension and resolve, stood at their posts, ready for the signal to engage the enemy. 
However, unbeknownst to Ayachino, the hunter was about to become the hunted. Cunningham, ever the master strategist, saw through the Italian ruse. He had set a trap of his own, one that would make the Italian fleet stumble into a hornet's nest of Royal Navy firepower. Cunningham's fleet, shrouded in the dark cloak of the night, moved stealthily towards their unsuspecting enemy. The British sailors, aboard their silent vessels, were acutely aware of the significance of their mission. They were the unseen storm that would strike when the enemy least expected it. In the early hours of the morning, under the cover of darkness, the trap was sprung. The British fleet, led by the cunning Cunningham, caught the Italian forces off guard, turning the tide of the battle in a swift, decisive move. Thus, the inescapable trap became a duel of wits and strategy, a dance of danger on the high seas. Each decision, each move, and each moment were critical as the waters of Cape Matapan turned into a battlefield where the fate of the Mediterranean hung in the balance. The chessboard had transformed into a battleground, a harsh testament to the vagaries of naval warfare. Chapter 3 The Clash of Titans In the pre-dawn darkness of March 28, 1941, the Mediterranean was anything but calm. The tension hung heavy in the air as the Italian and British fleets neared the point of engagement, a confrontation set to play out near the grim shadow of Cape Matapan. For the Italian sailors, the first signs of battle weren't the sight of British ships, but the droning hum of aircraft engines overhead. The British aircraft carrier, HMS Formidable, had launched its planes, and the opening salvo of the battle was about to be unleashed. In the cockpit of his ferry Albacore, squadron leader Leslie William Burrell, a veteran Royal Air Force officer, tightened his grip on the controls. His target, the formidable Italian battleship, Vittorio Veneto, lay somewhere in the darkness below. His mission, to strike the first blow of the battle. Back aboard the Vittorio Veneto, the hum of the engines was suddenly drowned by the shrill cry of the alarm. Admiral Iacchino, Understanding the gravity of the situation, calmly ordered his men to battle stations. The British had struck first, and now, it was a race against time to react. The opening salvo, as it descended from the sky, struck with an alarming fury. Burrell's albacores dropped their torpedoes, and as they found their mark, the Vittorio Veneto shuddered under the impact. The strike wasn't fatal, but it effectively crippled the Italian battleship disrupting Iachino's plan. On the bridge of the warspite, Cunningham saw the plumes of smoke rising from the Italian battleship. His strategy had worked. The opening salvo, launched from the skies, had given the British an early advantage. A slight nod of satisfaction hinted at Cunningham's acknowledgement of the first successful move in this perilous game. The Battle of Cape Matapan had begun and the opening round had been claimed by the British. But the game was far from over. With both fleets now fully engaged, the fate of the battle was to be decided by the valiant men on the high seas and their capable leaders back on the bridges. As the day gave way to night, the Mediterranean Sea's calm surface belied the tumultuous events of the day. The British had struck the first blow, leaving the Italians reeling. However, Admiral Iachino, even in the face of adversity, remained unfazed. 
he issued orders to regroup and launched a counterattack as soon as possible. However, unbeknownst to the Italians, Admiral Cunningham had another surprise in store. Using the cover of darkness, a skill honed by the Royal Navy through countless engagements, he positioned his ships for a devastating attack. This was an audacious move, the kind that Cunningham had become renowned for. The man at the helm of the night assault was Captain Philip Vian, a seasoned naval officer known for his tenacity and tactical brilliance. Aboard his destroyer, HMS Griffin, he led a flotilla of four other ships, the Greyhound, Havoc, Jervis, and Hotspur. The mission, to get in close and unleash a torpedo barrage on the beleaguered Italian fleet. Out on the dark waters, Vian and his men moved like phantoms. The hum of the Griffin's engines was the only sound punctuating the stillness of the night. The British sailors, filled with quiet determination, waited for the order to strike. The surprise came like a lightning bolt in the dark. The torpedoes from the British destroyers, unseen and unexpected, ripped through the water towards the unsuspecting Italian fleet. The target was the Pola, a heavy cruiser left disabled by an earlier air attack and lagging behind the main Italian fleet. The resulting explosions lit up the night, turning the once tranquil sea into a scene of chaos and confusion. The Pola took the brunt of the attack and was soon immobilized, billowing smoke and listing heavily. Back on Warspite, Admiral Cunningham could barely hide his satisfaction. Nightfall's surprise had worked. The British had struck a significant blow, turning the tide of the battle in their favor once again. However, he was all too aware that the endgame was yet to come. The final acts of the Battle of Cape Matapan were still to unfold, promising more drama on the high seas. With dawn creeping over the horizon, the Italian fleet was in turmoil. The surprise attack during the night had left them reeling, with their sister ship, the Pola, severely damaged. Admiral Iacchino, striving to maintain control of the situation, quickly realized that the Pola was not just damaged but completely immobilized. It was at this critical juncture that a miscommunication led to a catastrophic series of events for the Italian fleet. Upon learning of Pola's plight, Iacchino made the decision to dispatch two other heavy cruisers, the Zara and Fiume, along with a handful of destroyers, to aid the stricken ship. However, in the chaos and confusion, his orders were misunderstood. The message relayed was that the entire Italian fleet was to regroup and protect the Pola. The result of this miscommunication was a fatal congregation of the Italian ships, just as the sun started to peak over the horizon. The ships were now an irresistible target for the British. Back on the war spite, Cunningham received the reports of the Italian fleet's movements. His lips curled into a grim smile. The Italians had, unwittingly, played right into his hands. He quickly ordered his battleships, the war spite, Valiant, and Barham, to close in on the clustered Italian ships. As the sun broke the horizon, the British battleships unleashed a barrage of fire. The mighty guns of the war spite roared, its shells screaming through the air towards the unwitting Italian ships. In a matter of minutes, the Zara, Fiume, and two destroyers were sent to the bottom of the sea, victims of a crucial miscommunication that cost the Italians dearly.
Amidst the chaos and smoke, men fought bravely, but the British onslaught was relentless and overpowering. The cost of this miscommunication was a crippling blow to the Italian fleet at Cape Matapan. Yet, even in this moment of despair, the bravery and sacrifice of the Italian sailors remained a testament to their resolve. The Battle of Cape Matapan, while swinging decisively in the favor of the British, had yet to reveal its full toll on the men and machines involved in this epic confrontation. Chapter 4 The Turning of the Tide As the smoke and dust of the night's devastating conflict started to settle, dawn cast its first light upon a vastly changed seascape. The remaining Italian ships, scattered and reeling from the unexpected onslaught, struggled to regroup and regain their bearing. Their noble pursuit to aid the Pola had led them into a trap from which there was no escape. On the deck of the crippled Vittorio Veneto, Admiral Iacchino stood in stunned silence. He had gambled much on his daring strategy, only to see it crumble in the face of a cunning adversary and a crucial miscommunication. The British had seized the opportunity and pressed their advantage, crippling his once proud fleet. Meanwhile, aboard the war spite, a different mood prevailed. Cunningham, witnessing the sunrise paint the sky over the now tranquil Mediterranean waters, felt a sense of satisfaction and relief. His daring gambit had paid off, and victory was within grasp. Signal the fleet, he commanded, maintain course and stay alert. His voice echoed across the bridge. Despite the impending victory, Cunningham understood the fickle nature of naval warfare. It was not over until every potential threat had been neutralized. As the day progressed, the British kept the pressure on the retreating Italian vessels. The Royal Navy's aircraft continued their sorties, their relentless strikes hindering any attempt by the Italians to regroup or retaliate. By the time the sun reached its zenith, it was clear that the Battle of Cape Matapan had decisively turned in favor of the British. The Italian fleet, once the pride of Mussolini's navy, was now reduced to a shell of its former self. Victory at dawn was no accident. It was the culmination of strategic brilliance, daring execution, and a fair amount of luck. The Battle of Cape Matapan would go down as one of the most significant naval engagements in the Mediterranean during World War II, and a testament to the tenacity and resourcefulness of the British Royal Navy. In the wake of the British victory at Cape Matapan, one vessel emerged as a symbol of resilience amidst the devastation. The Italian battleship, Vittorio Veneto, even after being battered and bruised, continued to fight against the odds. On board, Admiral Iacchino, though weighed down by the magnitude of their losses, was determined not to let his ship become another casualty of this disastrous battle. He knew that the Vittorio Veneto was more than just a ship, it was a symbol of Italian naval power, and its loss would be a significant blow to Italian morale. Battered but not beaten, the Vittorio Veneto, under the command of a determined Iacchino, began her treacherous journey back towards the safety of Italian waters. The ship, despite the heavy damage inflicted by the British attacks, remained stubbornly afloat. The crew worked tirelessly, patching up the damages, keeping the engines running, and the guns at the ready. Their aim was clear to get their ship home, no matter the cost. 
they faced not just the physical toll of their labors but also the emotional burden of leaving their comrades behind in the aftermath of the British onslaught. Aboard the war spite, Cunningham, now in the pursuit of the fleeing Vittorio Veneto, admired his adversary's grit. The Italian battleship, even in retreat, was a formidable adversary. However, he knew the Royal Navy's job was far from over. His focus shifted from the victory at Cape Matapan to ensuring that the crippled Italian battleship didn't make it back to port. The flight of the Vittorio Veneto was a game of cat and mouse across the Mediterranean, a desperate bid for survival against overwhelming odds. The ship's eventual escape, slipping through the British naval blockade and making it back to Taranto, was a testament to the perseverance of her crew and the tactical acumen of Admiral Iacchino. This saga, often overshadowed by the larger battle, served as a sobering reminder that even in defeat, there are stories of resilience and courage that echo through the annals of history. The Vittorio Veneto, through her flight, had etched her place in the narrative of the Battle of Cape Matapan. With the Battle of Cape Matapan coming to a close, the strategic implications of the British victory became clear. What started as a risky gambit turned into a tactical triumph for the Royal Navy. The British had demonstrated their superior naval capabilities, turning the tide of war in their favor in the Mediterranean theater. The man behind this success, Admiral Andrew Cunningham, became an embodiment of tactical brilliance. His daring decision to use night battleships, a somewhat controversial tactic at the time, coupled with his calculated risks, brought about a victory that far outweighed the physical losses inflicted upon the Italian fleet. On the deck of the war spite, Cunningham quietly contemplated their achievement. It wasn't just about sinking enemy ships, it was the crushing blow to Italian naval prestige, the significant reduction of the Regia Marina's operational capability, and the tightening grip on the Mediterranean Sea's strategic control. Meanwhile, in the halls of power back in Britain, the news of the victory was greeted with jubilation. The Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, himself a former naval officer, understood the importance of this victory. It wasn't just a morale boost for the British people, it was a clear message to their allies and enemies alike that the British Royal Navy was a force to be reckoned with. But the tactical triumph extended beyond the immediate repercussions. The Battle of Cape Matapan was a lesson in naval warfare a demonstration of how a combination of superior strategy, technological advantage, and tactical flexibility could overcome numerical superiority. The use of decoded intelligence, a well-executed night battle, and efficient coordination between surface ships and aircraft highlighted British naval prowess. The Battle of Cape Matapan was not just a significant victory in the ledger of World War II. It was a defining moment in naval warfare. The triumph, born of cunning strategy and daring execution, became a symbol of the Royal Navy's tenacity and resourcefulness. It highlighted that the tide of war could be turned not just by brute force but through superior tactics and strategic foresight. Chapter 5 A Battle's Ripple Effect The Battle of Cape Matapan had far-reaching effects that were felt immediately in the war theaters and the corridors of power alike. The British victory had not only inflicted physical damage on the Italian navy but also brought about strategic shifts that would have lasting impacts on World War II. 
the first and most noticeable consequence was the severe blow to the Italian Navy, the Regia Marina. The loss of five ships, including three heavy cruisers, and over 2,300 sailors was a devastating blow to the Italian war effort. The once formidable Mediterranean fleet was now severely crippled, diminishing Italy's ability to project naval power in the region. In Rome, Mussolini, the Italian dictator, was faced with the stark reality of his navy's vulnerabilities. The defeat strained his relationship with Admiral Iacchino and the navy's high command. It sparked a thorough review of Italian naval strategy, and night engagements were avoided as much as possible for fear of a similar disaster. The British victory had an uplifting effect on the morale of the Allied forces. News of the successful engagement spread throughout the ranks, providing a much-needed boost to the spirits of British sailors and soldiers alike. The victory was a clear demonstration that the Axis powers could be defeated, and it played a crucial role in strengthening the resolve of the Allies. In Britain, Churchill used the victory to rally the nation and the Commonwealth, painting it as evidence of the impending downfall of the Axis powers. He praised the bravery of the Royal Navy, lauding their superior tactics and sheer resolve. The victory at Cape Matapan solidified his belief in the Royal Navy's pivotal role in the war. On a broader strategic level, the battle significantly shifted the balance of naval power in the Mediterranean in favor of the British. The Royal Navy now had the upper hand, which allowed them to exert more pressure on the Axis supply lines enforce a more effective blockade of Axis-held territories, and provide better support for ground operations in North Africa. This shift would prove critical in the subsequent stages of the war. The Battle of Cape Matapan, therefore, was more than just a singular naval engagement. It had set in motion a chain of events and strategic shifts that would significantly influence the course of the war in the Mediterranean and beyond. The Battle of Cape Matapan's echoes reverberated far beyond the Mediterranean's turquoise waters, influencing the broader war dynamics and shaping strategies adopted by both the Allies and the Axis powers. One major repercussion of the battle was the reconfiguration of naval strategy by the Axis powers, primarily Italy and Germany. Recognizing the power of the British Royal Navy and the devastating effectiveness of night battles, they became far more cautious about engaging the Allied naval forces, particularly at night. The weakened Italian navy could no longer offer significant resistance against the Allied naval blockade, which had a direct impact on the Axis supply chain. The diminished flow of resources, especially to Rommel's Africa Corps fighting in North Africa, was a blow to the Axis desert warfare. The supply shortages would eventually contribute to the Axis defeat in the North African campaign, significantly influencing the war's direction. The battle's outcome also had diplomatic implications. The Allies, particularly Britain, were able to leverage their victory to galvanize support from nations on the fence, like the United States, who were yet to enter the war. The victory served as a symbol of Allied strength countering the narrative of invincible Axis power. Further afield in Germany, the defeat raised questions about their Italian allies' competence. The relationship between Hitler and Mussolini cooled noticeably, 
with the Führer becoming increasingly doubtful about Italian military reliability. This tension would later play a role in strategic decisions, including the infamous decision to invade the Soviet Union without securing the Mediterranean. On the other side of the equation, the British success at Cape Matapan cemented the critical role that cryptanalysis and intelligence would play in the war. The battle had highlighted the invaluable advantage that decoded enemy communications could provide. This realization would lead to a greater focus on decryption efforts, culminating in the work at Bletchley Park and the breaking of the Enigma Code events that would have an enormous impact on the war's course. The Battle of Cape Matapan, thus, had implications that rippled out far beyond the immediate theater of war, influencing strategic decisions, shaping the course of campaigns, and setting precedents for intelligence use that would leave an indelible mark on World War II's history. The aftermath of the Battle of Cape Matapan had a profound influence on the naval doctrine of World War II, forcing the Italian Regia Marina and indeed, the navies around the world, to reconsider their strategies and tactics. The destruction of the Italian cruisers was a shocking reminder of the vulnerability of surface ships to nighttime attacks and air power. The Regia Marina, once proud and formidable, was left licking its wounds and reflecting on its shortcomings. Admiral Iacchino, a man previously sure of his naval doctrine, now had to reckon with the fact that traditional naval warfare was evolving. In the silence following the thunderous battle, Iacchino met with Mussolini. The Italian dictator demanded answers, his fiery gaze holding the admiral's weary eyes. Iacchino knew then that the days of large surface fleets dominating the seas were numbered, especially against a naval force equipped with radar and capable of nighttime operations. Following this realization, there was a shift in Italian naval doctrine. Larger battleships and cruisers were increasingly seen as liabilities unless adequately supported by air cover and smaller, more maneuverable ships. This led to an increased focus on submarines, destroyers, and torpedo boats in the Italian naval strategy. On the other side of the English Channel, the Royal Navy saw validation of their evolving naval doctrine. The victory reinforced the efficacy of radar technology, air power, and the utility of nighttime engagements. Admiral Cunningham, standing victorious, led a revolution in naval warfare, with the Royal Navy focusing on integrating new technology into their ships and evolving their tactics to utilize these advantages. The Battle of Cape Matapan also influenced naval powers beyond the immediate conflict. The United States and Japan watched carefully, adjusting their doctrines in light of the engagement's outcome. The battle highlighted the vital role of aircraft carriers, radar technology, and flexible tactics in naval warfare, influencing the strategies used in the vast expanses of the Pacific theater. In the grand scheme of World War II, the Battle of Cape Matapan was a turning point, marking a shift in naval doctrine and warfare. Its lessons were noted by both the Allies and the Axis, echoing in the following years of conflict across the globe's oceans. The echoes of Cape Matapan, hence, were heard not just in the Mediterranean, but wherever the tide, waves, and war met. Chapter 6 Legacy of Cape Matapan 
the Battle of Cape Monopan was not just a clash of naval strategies or technological prowess, it was also a deeply human story. Amid the grand narrative of victory and defeat, it's crucial to remember those who fought bravely and made the ultimate sacrifice on both sides of the conflict. In Italy, the loss of over 2,300 sailors was felt profoundly. Every village, town, and city mourned the sons, husbands, and fathers who would never return. Admiral Iacchino, despite his initial misgivings, held a deep respect for the men under his command. Their loss weighed heavily on him. He remembered them not just as soldiers, but as men of courage and honor who had given their all for their country. Across the sea, the British, too, paid their respects. Although their losses were less severe, each life lost was a tragedy. They were celebrated not as mere numbers, but as individual heroes. Admiral Cunningham, renowned for his concern for his men, paid personal tributes to the fallen. He knew that behind every salute was a story, behind every uniform, the unique individual. The battle might have been a victory, but it was a victory tinged with the somber reality of war's human cost. In both countries, families were left grappling with the void of their lost loved ones. In the quiet Italian countryside, wives held tightly to the last letters from their husbands, mothers wept for their sons lost at sea. In the bustling streets of London, children grew up with only photos to remember their fathers, friends raised toasts to comrades they would never see again. Beyond the formal commemorations, it was in these personal moments of grief and memory that the true impact of the Battle of Cape Matapan was felt. The battle was more than a historical event, it was a shared human experience, one of courage, loss, and remembrance that spanned across nations and years. Today, the Battle of Cape Matapan stands as a solemn reminder of the bravery and sacrifice of those who fought. The waters off the coast of Greece, once a theater of war, are now a silent memorial, holding within their depths the stories of the men who gave their lives in the service of their countries. Every wave that breaks upon the shore is a tribute to their memory, a testament to their sacrifice. The Battle of Cape Matapan was, in many ways, the last of its kind, a decisive, large-scale naval engagement fought by surface ships. It was a spectacle of naval warfare at its most brutal and raw, a clash of titanic forces etched in the annals of history. Yet, it was also a harbinger of the changing face of naval warfare. In the aftermath of the battle, Admiral Cunningham and Admiral Iacchino, despite being on opposite sides of the conflict, shared an unspoken understanding. They both recognized that the age of battleship supremacy was fading, giving way to a new era of naval warfare dominated by air power, submarines, and rapid maneuverability. The Battle of Cape Matapan had vividly illustrated this changing tide. Admiral Cunningham, a lifelong sailor, looked out across the dark waters and reflected on this transformation. He understood that the days of great naval battles, akin to Trafalgar or Jutland, were numbered. The future belonged to carriers and aircraft, radar, and submarines. Despite his reverence for the Royal Navy's traditions, he was pragmatic, ready to embrace the future, however much it deviated from the past. Meanwhile, Admiral Iacchino, despite his initial resistance to change, 
also recognized this reality. He saw the Regia Marina's future not in the grand battleships that he had once loved, but in smaller, faster ships and submarines capable of disrupting enemy supply lines and coordinating with air forces. He too knew that the Battle of Cape Matapan marked the end of an era. Today, the Battle of Cape Matapan is viewed as the swan song of traditional naval warfare, a thunderous, grand finale to an age of battleships and surface engagements. It remains a poignant reminder of a bygone era, a time when steel behemoths ruled the seas, a time when naval warfare was a grand, terrifying ballet of colossal forces. The last of its kind, it stands as a monumental chapter in naval history, forever etched in the collective memory of maritime nations. The enduring legacy of the Battle of Cape Matapan extends far beyond the immediate victory and defeat, beyond the limits of World War II. It shaped the naval doctrines of both the Allies and the Axis, influencing not only how they fought but also how they thought about warfare. For the British, it was a confirmation of the new realities of naval warfare. Admiral Cunningham's successful use of naval air power and cryptanalysis solidified their importance in the eyes of the Royal Navy. The battle became a blueprint for future engagements, underlining the importance of speed, stealth, and above all, intelligence. It also underscored the value of decisive leadership, with Cunningham's tactical acumen becoming a model for future naval commanders. For the Italians, it was a sobering wake-up call. The Regia Marina took lessons from its mistakes, acknowledging the crucial role of air reconnaissance and the need for better coordination between different branches of the armed forces. The defeat at Cape Matapan, painful as it was, sparked a reevaluation of Italy's naval strategy that ultimately improved its naval operations. Beyond its tactical implications, the Battle of Cape Matapan had a profound cultural impact as well. It is remembered as a moment of unity and courage, a testament to the indomitable human spirit even in the face of overwhelming odds. The stories of bravery, sacrifice, and heroism from the battle continue to inspire generations. The Battle of Cape Matapan may have taken place over eight decades ago, but its legacy is very much alive. Its lessons have been integrated into modern naval doctrine, and its stories continue to be told. From museums to memorials, from history books to films, the tale of this epic naval engagement captivates audiences, serving as a vivid reminder of the courage, sacrifice, and heroism of those who fought. In the grand narrative of World War II, the Battle of Cape Matapan stands out, not only for its strategic importance but for its enduring legacy. A poignant tale of courage, sacrifice, and the transition of naval warfare, its echoes can still be heard in the annals of naval history and the hearts of those who remember.